CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. We're talking about something tremendous. This is a revolution. This is CyberStation USA. And welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol at CyberStationUSA.com. And now, uh, once again, I got Ashton Edwards on the line saying, Swam, we got to get big names in the show. We need more bigger names. Well, we've had some big names. We had, of course, uh, of, you know, David Zayas. We've had Katrina Bautam. And she said, Swam, we need world championship names. So I gave you a world champion. I gave you a guy who, former UFC welterweight champion, a man who hopefully soon, they can't hold this guy down, damn it. Somebody... Call out Sharp. There's got to be somebody who can get this guy a title shot, not get him screwed over again. I, I digress. But once again, I give you the pride and joy of Oklahoma State University and a former NCAA champion, also a UFC champion. I give you the beard himself, a.k.a. Big Rig. I give you Johnny Hendricks. Uh, Johnny, let's start off here with uh, your fighting in Texas. Once again, it's you versus Tyrone Woodley. Is this a, is this a consolation prize, or is this some, one more guy that you're looking at going, okay, you're in my way to a world title? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's another guy that I got to focus hard on, get better on, and get a win on. You know what I mean? That's really what I'm looking at, uh, and, and nothing else. Nothing else matters except for going out there, improving my skills, and getting better. I know Aspen has a lot of questions, but I'll let her jump in next. But first, uh, so take us to Tyrone Woodley. Uh, you've seen him a lot. You guys were basically the same conference for years. Him with Missouri, you at Oklahoma State. He's already said he's been wanting to punch you in the face. I don't know if that's an extra meaning or not, but is this an easier fight to get up for? This isn't a guy who, you know, you have to look deep into, you know, what, what he does, you know, weird techniques. He's basically, you know, a, a version of you. He likes power punches and wrestling. Is that a little bit easier to focus on a guy who... It's something that you've dealt with a lot. You've dealt with a lot of wrestling. You've dealt with a lot of guys who, you know, like to punch hard. Is this something that's a little bit more easier than a pure striker or jujitsu guy? Uh, you know what? They're they're all the same to get up for. You know what I mean? Because of the fight, anything can happen. So you're sitting there and you really focus on what you need to do and the task at hand and how to win. You know what I mean? And that's really all I focus on. Not, you know what I mean? I, I don't care their style. It could be any style because any fight can be difficult. doesn't matter what they have or what offense or defense or anything. It, it's a fight. So to get up for a fight like that and to, to be excited for it, I don't need all that stuff. I just need a date, and that's all I care for. Okay, so speaking of... Let's say you get the date, you have it, you're ready to go. What do you do pr to prepare? How do you get yourself ready mentally and physically for that date? You know, you, you train, you know, what is it, 20-something hours a week. You run, you, you, you do things. Uh, everything, everything from whatever you know about the fight to the fight, that's the important part. Whenever I get there, the week that I get there, everything else becomes... My weight's under control, this, this, and this. At that point, it becomes all fun because the hard stuff's over with. The fight, don't get me wrong, it can be hard, but it's not, it's only going to be 25 minutes or 15 minutes. It's not going to be a two-month or a three-month camp. Is this easier, though, in terms of, or more difficult, being in Texas? I know, because it, it seems like a catch-22. You're... Closer to home, you don't have to, you don't have to you know fly or go any place. There's no you know time zone difference. 
But is it what is it easier for you or is it tougher because you have family, friends, you know, uh, golfing buddies, barbecue buddies. Everybody wants tickets. Everybody wants to, you know, walk to the ringside with you. Everybody wants to be part of this. I mean, is it easier? Or is it more difficult fighting at home? Uh, you know what? It's uh, it's easier, I think. Um, realistically, I have uh, two friends that I, I do everything with, and <clears throat> they don't. You know, I'm lucky they don't ask for those things, you know, um, and <clears throat> for the most part, it, it's nice that I don't have to travel. It's nice that I have uh, all my friends, or my, my friends and my family can make it that easy. I don't have to worry about anything, and if something really happened, I could be there, you know, Houston's, I think, four hours away, four and a half, and depending on how you drive and how serious it is, I can be home if I really had to. You know, um, and that's that makes it more comfortable, and that makes you be able to relax more and focus on what you need to do uh, to prep, you know, that last preparation to get the weight off. I know, Lot, that you, we talked last time about the weigh-ins, and I know that you broke away from Mike Dolce, you started doing your own thing, you were, you came in the last training camp, you started off, I heard, at 192, you got down to 170, you was pretty good. This time around, is it the same thing? Are you bringing in somebody different, or are you still doing the same things you did with the Mike Brown fight in terms of the eating preparations, the nutrition, and getting people who want to be able to just sort of look, you know, look over you and go, okay, yeah, this looks good, or, well, we might try something different. No, I, I'm doing everything on my own still. Uh, you know, I'm taking it in my own hands. Uh, I made 170 pretty easy last time. Uh, the weight's falling off like it should right now. Um... You know, everything's, everything's looking good, and I want that. I want it on my own hands. I want my own, you know, if I fail, it's because I fail. If I do good, it's because I did good. Uh, you know, and that's really <clears throat> how I want it, you know. Uh, with, between me and my wife, the diet part, we, we have better control of it. Yeah, you know, there's some things that you learn by <clears throat> doing some research or, you know, sitting there saying, okay, this is not, you know, I feel a little weak by this point. Okay, how can we change that? You know, and it, it, it's all about finding what you like, you know, realistically. Um, it, it's about saying, okay, this food tastes better than this food. So I want to continue to eat this food. And that's really what eating healthy to me is, is about having food that you enjoy. I mean, sorry, we're looking here at the diet thing, and as Aspen has said to me, yeah, it's, you, you know, Cheeseburgers, Chris, are not on the diet, so we can't put that on. But take us to a Dolce thing and everything here, Johnny, because I, I, I brought this up because for years you did this without him. You were an NCAA champion before he came along. So how much of this was? I know you don't like you know pointing fingers, you know doing blame, but how much of it was a little bit insulting to you that it was he was getting a lot of credit for you cutting weight, and yet you had done this for years before you even you know came into your life. It was like, all right, yes, he helped out, but. I've been doing this since I was 18 years old. I, I know how to cut weight. I've been doing it for years. Well, you know, I, I needed, uh, <clears throat> I really needed to uh, refocus myself. You know, Dolce did amazing things with me, um, but I got too reliant on him. You know, uh, he always got me down the weight. He always did what he was supposed to do. Um, <clears throat> and then now, you know, I don't get over 205. 
Uh, you know, so that's 15 pounds I don't have to cut. Uh, we got back to lifting weights. We get, there's a lot of things that we had to switch up to improve our weight cut. And <clears throat> once we did it, once I sort of took a step back, and I said, all right, you know, it's not Dolce's fault. It's not this person's fault. It's my fault. And how do I how do I get that back? How do I get where weight cutting is easy, this and that? And you know, you just gotta take a step back and say, hey, it's, it's all on me. Let's put it on me. And I'll I'll, I'll make my chicken taste good. I'll make my salmon taste good. And I know that what I like to put around my my salmon, around my chicken, around my deer meat. Uh, to give me the right nutrients that I need to get through the week. Elena, how do you think you did against your fight with Matt Brown? Do you see any room for improvement? What? Uh, you know, after after looking at that uh, after looking at that fight and going back through it, <clears throat> I did pretty good. You know, um, <clears throat> you can't knock out everybody. Um, even though that's why I was really disappointed because I wanted to, I wanted to knock him out, right? That's, that's everybody's goal is to finish somebody. Um, <clears throat> but when you look back, you say, okay, I didn't take, I didn't take much damage, uh, and I was able to control the whole fight pretty much. Uh, and whenever you look at those things, and you break it down that way. I was pretty impressed with what I was able to do because. Even Lawler wasn't able to beat Matt Brown the way that I, I did, you know. And he had five rounds; I only had three. You know, it could have been, and maybe I could have finished him by the third or fourth or fifth round. You know, uh, <clears throat> you never know uh, because there's only three on fight. But those things leading up to that, it really makes you sit there and say, "Okay, hey, I did do better than I thought. I did some things that I, I have improved on." You know, and, and the more that. Everybody wants to see me knock somebody out. I get that, and I would love to do that. But I also got to know that uh, <clears throat> sometimes out-striking out somebody doesn't give you the win. <laughs> and, and that's what they have had to learn the hard way. <clears throat> so how, how, do you, how do you make sure that you win the fight and you also keep the crowd happy? And it's by doing it's by doing those things, mixing up where even the fighter doesn't know what you're gonna do. You're in the ring, everything's going, you're just you're hitting him and you're hitting him and you're hitting him and you're just dogging on him and everything else, but he's not going down. What goes through your head? What what are you thinking at that moment? I mean, is it like, oh crap, what do I do now? <clears throat> uh, you know what? I, I didn't really uh, I hit him hard but he, the way that he walks forward some of the times I was just punching to get, it, the legs were so open, you know, uh, the takedowns were right there. So sometimes you're just throwing punches to get his hands up, boop, you dump him on his head. You know, and some of them get through, some of them don't. Um, and that's really, you know, you, you got to mix it up because with him, after a couple of takedowns, I thought that he'd try to switch up his fighting style, you know. And whenever he switches up his fighting style, you got to know that you, you can't get taken down over and over and over. So, whenever you look at that, you think that, okay, he might lower his hand some to keep from getting taken down. Okay, he's going to do that. Well, 
when he does that, now I can come up hard for a hard shot instead of, so everybody in the top five is there for a reason. Top ten, too, right? They all know how to strike. They all know how to take a punch. They all know how to block a punch. So if I sit there and I try to throw haymakers without mixing it up, well, you might knock him out, but you might tire yourself out of doing that as well. So it's all about, it's a, it's a chess match the whole time you're out there. I get that, but I mean, it, you're not exactly known for having a weak punch here. I mean, it's not like you're going to worry about breaking a nail. Right, but you're, 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 you're not worried about that, but you're also, you've got to sit there and you can break your hand. You know, if, if I, let's say I throw a hard punch, boom, I hit him in the elbow. You break your hand. Well, now you're down a weapon. you got to keep throwing it because they if they figure that out, it's going to be a bad fight for you. You know, so you you got to sit there, and that's where accuracy, speed, and all those things come into a big play, is because you're sitting there doing certain things, and you can't be when you hit that level, you can't give up a weapon by being doing something stupid. You got to sit there, and you got to you got to set it up, set up, set up. There's my hard shot I can throw. It's open. Boom. You land it, and, and then. Yeah, and then you sit there and say, okay, that one's soft, give him up a little bit. His hands are a little bit higher. You go for the takedown. Or, oh, he, he didn't really think that was anything. And you go, you act like you're going for a takedown again, and boom, you hit him upstairs. You know, it, it's, it's just one of those things. That, uh, and some people know how to, how, they, they have a chip. You know, you can throw a kitchen sink at them, they're still going to walk forward. Okay, so I want to get into a little bit about the title shot that you were supposed to get. It, it was there. It was gonna be. It was supposed to be yours, and then it went to Carlos Condit. How did that make you feel? Uh, uh, over it. <laughs> you know, I. Uh, it's out of my control. I'm over it. I don't care. You know, I got this fight. Uh, that's really where my head's at. It's not the title. Um, <clears throat> my head's at. I gotta beat Tyron Woodley. If I don't beat him, none of this even matters. You know, and, and so my, my I really got to focus on, hey, what do I got to do to get back to that title? I got to keep beating people. I got to beat them. I got to beat them. And as long as they sit there and say, oh, they think somebody else is worthy, well, that's fine. I'm going to knock off the next person that they think that is worthy. And then, you know, and that's, that's sort of where my head's at now. I'm just going to fight the fight. You know, as long as I'm healthy. And after this fight, if I'm healthy and they say, well, we don't know, well, hey, who do, who, do you, who do you think about giving it to? Well, let's fight, you know, and, and, and that's sort of where my head's at. Johnny, you and I have talked about this for a lot. I know where you stand, but does it ever bother you? I mean, we saw Betts Correa talk her way into a title shot. Didn't beat anybody, talked her way into a title shot and got it. Uh, Conor McGregor has talked his way into where he's at. He's done well, but he's also, you know, said cute things, you know, talking to vulgar you know, mentioned about you know rubbing his balls in somebody's forehead, and people like that. It's almost you know UFC's become a lot like WWE in sense. If you know how to talk, if you know how to trash, you get title shots. Does that bother you a lot? That a guy who, as you said, you just you would basically your slogan would be eat, sleep, knock him out, repeat. 
that doesn't sell. But if you're if you trash talk, you insult people, and you know how to you know throw one liners. Hell, like Chael Sonnen has found out, you can get title shot to title shot. Even if you lose your next fight, you still get a title shot. Yeah, hey, it it, it doesn't bother them. It you know it doesn't bother me. I'm just not going to do it. Okay, uh, I, I'm not going to. And if that's what I have to do to get back to the title, I'll retire. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure there's other jobs out there. <clears throat> you know, uh, it doesn't bother me. You know, like I said, you know, I want to get there in a way that not only that good for my family, but also morally and godly for me. You know, I I, I, I guess I'm on a different I'm on a different mindset that things here, you know, uh, I, I hate to go this way, but things here don't go with me after I die, you know. And if if I have to sit here and change who I am to get what I want, I don't want to do that. I want to be the same person I've been for the last 8, 10, 12, 20, 31 years of my life. Uh, that's really what I want. You know, it, nothing... Nothing is more pleasing to me than whenever I talk to my friends and they say, you haven't changed. You know, that's what makes me happy. That's what makes me excited. Uh, not that I have to sit here and say this, this, and this to, to get what I really want. No, I'm not going to do that. I refuse to do that. Uh, and that's why I, I went to the plan I did. Uh, you know, hey, as long as I'm healthy and I can, I'll just knock off anybody who... who Thinks there's a number one contender, uh, and so that way there's nobody else to fight but me. How much of this is also motivated by family? I mean, as you said before, it's you're a guy who believe you believe in God. You also have a big family. You have uh, three children. You have a wife. Is that a big thing for you? You know, not being able, not you know, not you know, having your kids be looked at as oh yeah, by the way, your dad's that crazy guy we saw on TV, or you know, having your daughters you know maybe mimic what you do, and you're going oh crap, I can't believe they're doing that. Is that one of the big things for you, why you don't talk trash? You know, but you don't want to be that guy who, you know, you know, as I hate to use the word, this term, but monkey see, monkey do. You start doing it, your kids start doing it, and next thing you know, you're giving them bad habits. It, it, that's exactly right. Is that I, You know, I want people to look up to me and sit here and say, okay, this guy is, realistically, whenever I meet people, I love hearing that they're like, you're just a down-to-earth dude. You know, you're, you're, you're the same way that whenever we hear on TV is the same way you are right now. You know, that, that's, that's important to me. Not, not all this other stuff, you know. Because like I tell everybody, one day this is going to all leave, you know. And how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as the guy who talked all this stuff and, and you know, yeah, you, you got the title or no, you didn't um, aspect? Or do you want to be the guy that, you know, you, you, kindergarten. My, my daughter went to kindergarten. And whenever I showed up, there's kids that are like, man, we love watching you fight. You know, our parents really say, you're one of the few that we get to watch because we know you're not going to be taking it overboard. You know, and, and that's, that's, that makes me happy and that makes me excited that I can I can do that and people will let their kids watch me <clears throat> because I'm not doing all the other things. 
So, on a personal note, how have you and your wife stayed together all this time? I mean, the training schedule, the boxing schedule, the, the fighting schedule, everything, it's hectic. It puts a toll on you just by yourself, much less when you have a relationship. You know, hey, find a good wife that supports you and wants you to do whatever you want to do and stay with her. <laughs> you know, if you have a girl that sits there and says, you know, you're going to work tonight, really? Are you, are you kidding me? No, I got a wife that sits here and says, hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to be back. You know, I got to go do this. I might not be back until 12 o'clock at night. She's like, okay, just don't be too loud when you walk in. You know, uh, there's no questions. You know, she knows where my head's at, and she knows what I want to do. Um, and <clears throat> that's really important to have. The home life, I think, is more important than the office life. Because whenever I step into the office, if I'm frustrated about anything, I can take it out on my, my opponent. At home, you got to make sure that your wife and your kids are behind you with everything that they want because if they're not, it, you're going you're gonna to see it in the, in the octagon or in practice and it's going to eat at you and eat at you and eat at you and eat at you and next thing you know, <clears throat> you're so far apart that it's almost impossible to get back to where you were and that's why you see a lot of people, they do separate, I believe, is because, you know, the wife wants one thing and the husband's wanting to do another thing and instead of sitting here and saying, okay, let's compromise in these aspects, even I have to. You know, my wife works out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And guess what? I train at nine at 8 o'clock, and I, I feel bad for my coaches, but they'll be like, hey, we got practice tonight at 7. I'm like, I can't be there. Why not? Because my wife works out. She won't be back until 7.15. I'll be there as soon as, you know what I mean? I'll be there by this time. Uh, and whatever y'all are doing, I'll do the exact same and more if I have to for missing the practice. But that's something that I'm willing to sacrifice so my wife can get it, you know, so she can have her outlet as well. Last two questions for each of us. Once again, we've got Johnny Hendricks on the show. We're talking all things, of course, family. We're talking relationships. Uh, my last question is this. Uh, if it comes up, let's say your contract runs out and you – and Bellator comes a calling, or World Series of Fighting comes a calling, and they offer you a very good offer. Let's say it's an offer that is pretty good. Do you start listening to other offers? I mean, now that you're up there, now that you've done everything, now that you've won a title, and you're looking for probably security. You're looking for that last big payday where it covers the kids, covers the wife, everybody's happy. Is it time for you to start looking out for yourself? I mean, at what point do you start looking going, okay, I'm looking for the best financial deal for me so that everybody's taken care of. Wife, kids, I'm looking now out for myself. Hey, that's what I've been doing since I started fighting. Why do you think I act a certain way? Why do you think... So whenever I retire, a company or whatever may come my way, they know what they're getting. I, it, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, I'm going to... I, I, I'm going to leave the UFC because these guys are paying me whatever. Does that make sense? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay where I'm happy. I'm going to stay where the best fighters are. And whenever it comes time for me to pull back and say, hey, I'm done, you know, then it becomes time to hit the real world where I go and I try to uh, try to go to these to companies or 
could be a be a uh, a death man. You know, uh, that that's where my head's been at. You can't fight forever, right? So yeah, it'd be nice to sit here and make <clears throat> ten million, twenty million dollars a fight, and so that way, you know, you do two of those and you retire. You never have to worry about it again. But you you never know if you're gonna hit that situation, right? So whenever I'm looking at what's gonna happen in the future. I sit here and say, okay, what would they rather have? You know, uh, somebody who's going to work hard, <clears throat> really doesn't want to say much, but he's going to do what you tell him to do and get it done. That, that's what I want to be. All right, so last question. What is the key for you when you're preparing, gearing up for UFC 192 versus Woodley? <clears throat> so... What, what, where's my mindset? Where's my, yeah. Where you know, are you everything on? at? What are you focusing on? Uh, I'm focusing on a little bit of everything. You know, and I know it's a vague answer, but, you know, <clears throat> like you said, he does have good wrestling, and he's got good, you know, he's, he's a power hand guy, right? <laughs> he also likes to throw a lot of head kicks, a lot of body kicks. I want a lot of good kickboxers. Um, and I know he's, he's explosive. There's some things that he does very well. Um, and whenever you're looking at that, you say, okay, these are things that he does very well. How do we counter that? How do, how do, how do we stop that from ever happening? What do we got to do? What do we do? Do we got to try to take him down? Do we try to stand up with him? You know what I mean? All those things is going through your head. And then you sit there and say, okay, what do I do good? How do I make it better? You know, and that's really where my head's at at this point of my camp right now. We've done the study and we know what he wants to do in a sense. You know, because uh, we make my partners throw things at me that are uh, out of the norm. Because when you're in a fight, he might do the same thing. You know, he might do something crazy that I wasn't expecting. So I make my partners do that. Um, also, you just sit there and it, it, it all revolves around preparation. You know, from whenever I found out I had this fight to whenever I step in that octagon, I can look back and say, I prepared myself the best I can to win this fight. Now, that's where I'm a little bit different than everybody else. <clears throat> as long as I can sit there and say, okay, I did my best and I lose, then you can't be mad at yourself. I know that sounds weird, but all I want to know is that whenever I step in the octagon and I fight, put on a fight or, or anything, I want to make sure that I did it the best I can and the best to my abilities, and that's all I can ask for. Because a fight's a fight. You never know what's going to happen. Is it going to be one punch? Is it going to be 20 punches? Or do you do you knock him out in one punch? Or do you knock him out in 20 punches? You know, it's just, it's, you just never know. It's just like a learning curve. And that's one thing that draws a lot of people to the fight world, is that you don't know what's going to happen. It's that 15 minutes of, who knows, I can't wait to see what happens. Well, there you have it. Once again, I give you the pride and joy of Team Takedown. I give you it's, uh, once again, I give you Johnny Hendricks. You can check him out. He is, the web, check out the website. It's johnnyhendricks.com or twitter.com backslash johnnyhendricks. He's on Facebook, on Instagram, which is also Johnny Hendricks. It's all over the place. And Johnny, always an honor, a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Y'all have a wonderful evening, okay? A pleasure, all ours. We come back. We got a whole lot more only on Last Call. Last Call about the alcohol. Center Station USA.com.
we have before us the opportunity to forge a new world order. There is a man behind the curtain. This isn't the Wizard of Oz. The shake-up to the music business machine. That sounds fun! This is a far more deadly predator than anyone ever imagined. Perfectly designed. Which came first? Cyber Station USA. Cyber Station USA is the future of radio. Get your business into the online future at the world's largest internet radio station. From banner placement on our homepage to any of our broadcasters' pages, commercials on our video player, audio spots on any of our shows, or at the beginning of any of our on demand broadcasts. Cyber Station USA offers competitive rates with a worldwide reach, a fully integrated one stop shop social media broadcast platform. For more information, please contact our sales department at Cameo at CyberStationUSA.com. From UFOs to things that go bump in the night. I actually get goosebumps. I think it's very, very important work. This is Don Ecker, host of Dark Matters Radio, heard right here on CyberStation USA. I do believe the government is covering something up. I know what I experienced is real. Why they're here, where they're from. Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. until midnight Pacific time on CyberStation USA. Cameo Entertainment Group and CyberStation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive CyberStation USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. CyberStation USA. Always on the go. CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. We're talking about something tremendous. This is a revolution. This is CyberStation USA. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call at the alcohol, CyberStationUSA.com. Join me on the line. This man here will be fighting on, it's going to be Fox Sports 1. It's September 22nd. I'll be taking on the ever-dangerous uh, Harrison Quelo in a super welterweight showdown here. Ten rounds of action, only at the Sands Casino in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Once again, he's undefeated, he's dangerous, and a lot of men don't want to fight him. I give the pride and joy all the way from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I give you Julian Williams. Uh, Julian, let's start off here with, uh, first, how happy are you to be, have your own card where you're fighting nearby home, it's going to be on Fox Sports 1, and... You're the headliner. You're the guy that they are driving as the A-side, one of the posters, and the one that everybody's saying, you got to watch this card because he's fighting on the card. Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm ready to get in and get the job done, you know, who wants to get the best So break us down, Harrison Quayle. Well, you and your team have had some time to sit down, break him down. Uh, what does he bring to the table? Why is this guy uh, you're the guy you're going to be fighting come September 22nd? So Harrison Quelo, why is he the guy? What made? What is it about him that made him the next guy for you to fight come September twenty second? I think he's the only guy that stepped up and took the fight. You know, I think he was the best available opponent, and we wanted a bigger fight, but uh, those fights didn't weren't able to come to fruition at the top. So we took the best available guy. He's number ten by the WBC, and uh, he's a tough, steady guy. And I'm looking for. Uh, I know you've been chasing after Austin Trout like 
white on right. So you've been wanting him for a while. I don't know if there's a frustration you had because he's been ignoring you. Charles has been ignoring you. Uh, of course, K-9 Brundridge is out of your grasp. How frustrating has it been for you not getting that big guy, that guy who can land you on a bigger card and a bigger fight and bigger notoriety? It's not really, it's not really frustrating at all because I'm always busy. I always have a fight coming up. And I will never, I will never overlook anyone. So, as much as I want these big fights, I always got in the corner in front of my face. And I'm always trying to pull a fight. So it hasn't been, it hasn't been like a letdown because I'm still fighting, I'm still getting better. If I was sitting around, I wasn't getting any fights, this stuff was going on, it probably, it probably, it probably would be frustrating. But it's not, it hasn't been frustrating at all because I'm, I'm extremely busy. We last time we saw Harrison Quello, he. Gave a, a guy by the name of Willie Nelson a lot of fits. He came in there, he did a lot in, in boxing, cut down the size, lost on the cards, but he was the B-side. How much do you look back at that fight and you know, try to piece together what he's going to try to do, what he might want to do, and what he's going to, what he wants to try to do against you come September 27th? Your phone is breaking up, I'm sorry. No problem, I'm sorry. So Harrison Quelo, you well, last time we saw him, he was giving a guy named Willie Nelson fits. What is he? What have you seen out of him? What is different about him than past opponents you faced? What's different about him now? What's different about him than other guys? I mean, what is different about him than your past twenty-something opponents? Oh, 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 you know what? I don't really see. You know, to me, he doesn't really do anything special. You know, he keeps chopping, he's steady, and he comes forward. You know, he's a. Uh, one of the shorter junior middleweights, he's about five, about five and a half, five nine. He don't do nothing, nothing significant to me. You know what I mean? He's just, he's just tough, and he's there, and he, and he just keeps coming. I think it's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be a really exciting fight. Well, let's talk about something that is exciting. Last time out, you were fighting on the undercard of Deontay Wilder. It was in the Bartow Arena. You won your fight against Armand Osvespian by six-round knockout. Tell us about the atmosphere. Right? What was that like fighting in a crowd that was just hot from start to finish? What was it like fighting? Where I'm sorry, say that again. What was it like fighting on a card from start to finish where the crowd was hot? I mean, that Bartow Arena where in Birmingham, Alabama, it seemed oh, the fans the, the, were. The atmosphere, the atmosphere of the crowd was amazing. You know, I, I didn't expect it to be that lit in Alabama. I didn't know they were such a, a huge boxing city. But I think it's just, a, I think it's just a sports town, regardless. You know, I think the. Uh, what was it like for you, though? I mean, when you step in the ring, all of a sudden the crowd's into it, they're hot for it. Does that help you? Does it hurt you? I mean, how do you handle the uh, extra adrenaline? I'm, I'm, I'm obviously numb to a lot of that stuff. I don't hear. I kind of like block all that kind of stuff out. I only hear too much of that stuff, you know, so. It's, uh. I don't really know how to explain it. I can just block it out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so focused. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to who's calling my name and who's yelling and who's cheering against me and who's cheering for me. I'm just worried about one thing and that's winning. Come September 22nd, you're going to be fighting a hop, skip, and jump away from your neck of the woods, uh, which means you're, it's now a different hat for you. You're now the guy they're counting on to help sell tickets, help you know build a fan base, help in terms of marketing this fight. How different is that for you, being a guy who... It's now in your hometown. You know, you're fighting on TV in front of your fans. Right. I don't really know how different it is because I haven't experienced it yet. You know, um, I, think, I think it'll be just like any other fight, you know. 
I'll be super duper focused. I'm not going to worry about, you know, I don't really want to get into, you know, marketing and selling tickets. That's not really my job. You know, that, that, that's why I got promoters and stuff like that. You know what I mean? My job is to train hard, stay focused, and win. So that's what, yeah, that's what I'll be focused on more importantly. We talked to you several times. You're a gym rat. You enjoy boxing. Uh, what part of boxing do you not like? I mean, it's how much of, it, of the outside stuff do you not like in terms of having to promote yourself on social media, having to network? I mean, how much of that do you look and go, I just, it's not my cup of tea? You know what? I don't, I don't really like everything except dieting. Nothing, nothing really bothers me. So I don't mind training. I don't mind getting up and running. It's just the dieting part. You know, nobody wants the calories restricted. Nobody wants to go on a diet. You know, other than that, and the business side of boxing, you know, I, I don't really get into the business side too much. I, I kind of let my manager uh, handle that part. But as far as, like, you know, as far as that part, everything is fine. So I don't really have no problems. So I can't tell you no bad stories or nothing like that, you know? Take us to your dieting. For this fight, when did you start cutting weight? When did you start the process of, you know, switching out the bad foods, going into the good foods, and make that cut so it's not a huge, you know, 20-pound, 30-pound cut, you know, three weeks out? I like, to, I like to go on a diet about, about six weeks before the fight. So for this fight, what, how, how early did you find out about your opponent and the date? You know what? It varies, man. Every, every, every camp is different, you know. Sometimes I might have eight weeks to train. Sometimes I might have six weeks to train, you know. So it, it, it's different. But more importantly, I'm always, I'm always in the gym and I'm always in shape. So and I and I and I, and I don't walk around super happy. So it lets me, you know, if my body snap back really fast, where you know it's nothing for me to get in, in fight shape in about six weeks. And we always got to leave six weeks. And sometimes we find out early. Sometimes we find out in the middle. It's every 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 fight is different. With each win, you're moving up in a ladder. You're slowly but surely going up to the rankings. Uh, I, I, and I know we've talked about this earlier. I know I keep hammering it down, but how big is it for you going forward to market yourself? I mean, you are part of a large roster. Every fighter sometimes has to draw, you know, attention to himself. I mean, the more fans you have, the more perks you can get. The more fans you have, the more you can, you know, dictate terms. So for you, how you know, your gun doesn't, you know, talk much. You let your actions do your talking. How much do you look forward to, you know, in the future? Are you looking at going, okay, Maybe I might have to try to sell myself on social media to get bigger fights, to get more fans you know, to drum up interest. I'm really, I'm really, I can't, I can't really be nobody other than myself. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna act crazy and and and, and, and say derogatory things online and in an interviews just to get attention. You know what I mean? I can be only, but I can only be myself. And I think as long as I stay consistent and keep winning, then everything will fall in my favor. So who do you want to fight? I mean, you, I know you talked about Austin Trout. There's another guy who, a lot like you, just keeps winning but doesn't get big fights. It's a guy named Eris Lara. The thing is, the thing is, everybody thinks like I'm like so gung-ho about fighting Austin Trout. It's not really that. Austin Trout is just the highest ranked developable opponent that can be made. That I can fight, you know what I mean? With both sides without him, you know, 
know, he only lost the two best dream in the world. He said two or three comeback fights. It just makes sense. You know what I mean? But more importantly, Trump doesn't have a belt. You know what I mean? I don't, it doesn't matter. It, it's not going to make or break me if I fight him or not. I think it'll be a, a, a really solid, I think it'll be a really good, entertaining fight. And I think it makes sense. You know, it makes money sense for me. You know, you know what I mean? And, and, and then when I beat him, I'm right where I want to be. But more importantly, I want to be a world champion. You know, so I want to fight whoever has a belt, whoever has a world title. Well, that's why I brought up the other name, uh, Arislani Lara. He has a belt. He is with Al Haman. Yeah. Is that a guy that, yeah. you know, down the line, you might say, I want him next? He, you have a belt. You are one of the best. Belt, right? Yeah. He has no. a WBA World Super him. Welterweight title. So is that a fight that you're going to be targeting soon because he's with Heyman, you're with Heyman? It's a fight, as you said, it can be made. There's no hiccups right. or, or, you know, roadblocks blocking everything. Well, not, not that I know of, you know. I mean, it's just as simple as God saying yes and no. And in my case, when my name gets brought up a lot of times, God say no. So what can I do but take the next the next best available guy? And right now, there's Luciano Quayle, and that's what I'm playing on. You know, that's the only person I'm really worried about right now. It's once again Julian Williams, uh, J Rock Williams, a uh, boxer, undefeated prospect, uh, headliner. Let's talk about another another role. Nick, uh, basically, a common people have called you role model. You are a guy who grew up in the streets of Philadelphia. You earned your way into becoming one of the top prospects in all boxing. What is that like now when you hear kids, when you hear young adults, even old adults going? That you know, the, Julian Williams. He's a role model for the community. He is a guy you want to be like. He is a man's man, as they say. Right. Uh, it feels good, you know. It feels good. It, it feels good to be a. Uh, you should say that the role model and the and the, and the great person to look up to. You know, I just want to uh, always display those character traits that people think of me. You know, because that's like that's really who I am. So, you know, I just want to you know keep guys, you know. Uh, People that's coming before me, you know, keep their, you know, hopes alive and whatever they want to pursue in their, in their careers, you know. When I want them to look at me and say, you know, because what he do, I know I can do it, you know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's how I look at things. What was it like for you growing up in Philadelphia? I mean, what what made you basically survive, you know, in, in an area which is a rough area? I mean, Philadelphia is not, you know, Mayberry Street. It's a tough place where you have to learn quickly how to survive and what not to do and how to... React yeah, to certain you know, situations. You know, it, it, it's different. When you're born and raised somewhere, you know, it's different when they probably just move there from Beverly Hills. You know what I mean? When you raise when you raise around a certain area, you get kind of immune to situations and just everyday life. You know what I mean? So it was rough, but, you know, you know, it, it, we made it through just fine, you know? We had several, several a couple of weeks ago, we had, uh, of course, uh, one guy here, Jesse Hart on the show. He talked about how wild guys he hung out with as a kid, they're in jail, or they're in, or they're dead, or they're people who are in trouble yeah. here. How many? How yeah. many? When you look back, how many of your friends, unfortunately, you know, are in jail or dead or in trouble? And do you ever look and go, "How the hell did I stay away from this?" It's, it's, it's really like that, you know. What I mean, like I got friends that call my phone that's younger than me, man, is doing life in jail. You know what I mean? And I got friends that's younger than me that died. That got 
that got shot and killed. You know, it's, it's, it, that's just how it is. And any inner city is like that's not just Philadelphia. You know what I mean? So I just, I just think that you know, God's got to make better choices. That's all. That's just it in a nutshell. So how do you try to fix this for the new generation? Because as you mentioned before, you're a guy who you're on TV now. You're making you know you're making it big. You're fighting on network TV. You're going to be fighting you know against better opponents. How do you plan to, or how do you want to try to you know reward reward the community or helps fix the community that you know you call home? I just want to lead by example. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you have, that's what you have to do first. Is lead by example. You know, I can't. Uh, get on here and, and, and see all these positive things to you, and then you get in the streets and fill up and do the complete opposite. You know, I just think you just gotta lead by example. It's very you've you've seen it a lot. You've and every athlete has probably seen it a lot. We've including uh, any football player, actor, actress who had on a show. There's always people once they start realizing you're coming up, they probably want to get their hooks into you. Whether it's parties, whether it's money, whether it's connections. How often has that happened to you? I mean, now in the last year or so, where ESPN calls you, you know, prospect of the year. Now that you know you're out fighting on CBS, on Fox Sports One, how many more people you notice? are coming out of woodwork and trying to get their hooks in you because they feel that you're going to be a money ticket, that you are an ATM. You can just give them money, whether it's an investment, whether it's, you know, loan them some money. How many people do this? Things definitely change, you know. You just got to keep a tight circle, you know. It's definitely like that, you know. People expect things, people want things, but, you know. That's just, I guess that's all a part of being successful, you know, some, some good things, some bad things, this is anything. That's just with, with anything in life, you know, so you got to stay grounded, you know, and keep the, and keep the right people around you. It's, I, 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 try to, I try to make it as simple as possible, you know. Like, well, last time we spoke to you, you had this young, wonderful young woman that you were dating, correct? No problem. And once again, as he's doing that, we have once again, it's Julian Williams, a.k.a. J-Rock. He'll be fighting November 22nd, only on Fox Sports 1 against Harrison Quayle. Check your local listings for times and details. And as I said, it's J-Rock Williams on the show, the undefeated uh, Philadelphia native. Uh, J-Rock, you still hear us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So last time we spoke, you were you had, you had do you had a girlfriend. You guys have been going, you dating for a while. Is that correct? Yeah. And you're still together? So how tough was it, you know, for you at times trusting her? And, you know, trying to realize, is she does she like me because I'm Julian? Or does she like me because I'm an athlete who has money and who's on TV? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really go through that because she was here before any of this, any of this stuff was, was, was coming to fruition. So I don't really have to second guess about that kind of stuff. But that's definitely a good question to ask. Because I'll let you know. You know what I mean? No, and I understand that. And I, I wonder, because we, we keep forgetting, you're you're not an old guy. It's not like you're Bernard right. Hopkins, who's 49 years old. You're right. still, you know, in your 20s. So how tough has it uh -huh. been to grow up quickly at an early age? I mean, by the time I'm right. guessing you were 12, you had the mentality of a 25-year-old because you had to, to survive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Like I said before, you can adapt to anything, man, if you put your mind to it. Well, I know I can. Last two questions before we'll let you go. I mean, as I said, we've got Ju it's uh, Julian Williams here. we got got uh, 
all things boxing. We're talking dating here. Let's talk about, we talked about the team. You have your trainer, you have your cut man, you have your corner man. Now that more money is coming in, now that you're getting ready to that next step, do you start bringing in maybe a specialist here or there, maybe a, a dietitian or a strength and conditioning coach or a yoga instructor? Do you try to bring in more specialists who can maybe, you know, find some way to make you either quicker, stronger, or all of the above? Absolutely not. I believe in something that's not broke. You shouldn't try to fix it. I think a lot of guys make mistakes and bring in extra people and do extra things when sometimes they never really need them. I don't know how to bring in a yoga instructor. I'll just go to yoga, a yoga class. You know, I've been cutting weight since I was 20 years old. I know to go on a diet. I know the right things to eat and drink. My coach, my coach does the strength conditioning. There's no point in doing that, you know? I think a lot of people mess up when they do that. They want to fix problems that's not broken. It all comes down September 22nd. Uh, you, Harrison Quelo, it's uh, Sands Casino, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I have a pride and joy of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Comes home for the first time in a long time, headlining a Fox Sports 1 card. When will it hit? When will it, I, know, I know that you, you, for you, you're a guy who keeps everything cool. You don't like to give out the secrets. But at what point will it hit you that you know this will be a homecoming fight? People who have known you for years be at this fight. When do you feel it hit you that you've made you know, one of your goals when you were probably a little kid has come to fruition? That you're headlining a big card in home, bringing world championship boxing to the Philadelphia area. When do you think it'll hit you that the moment's here? Probably when I get there before I walk out in front of all my fans. Well, we'll see what happens. Once again, as I said, I give you it's uh, Julian Williams. And before let's go. Where can the fans check you out? Where is the Twitter page, the Instagram, uh, Facebook? Where can the fans hit you up at? Follow me on Instagram at Gerard Box. I'm on Twitter uh, at Julian Williams, Julian Gerard Williams on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook at Julian Williams. Well, there you have it once again. I give you the pride and joy of Philadelphia. I give you a Julian Williams. Julian, always on a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate you, I appreciate you guys inviting me. Uh, pleasure all eyes. We come back. We got a whole lot more only on Last Call. Last Call with the Alcohol. CyberStationUSA.com. CyberStationUSA is the future of radio. Get your business into the online future at the world's largest internet radio station. From banner placement on our homepage to any of our broadcasters' pages, commercials on our video player, audio spots on any of our shows, or at the beginning of any of our on-demand broadcasts. CyberStationUSA offers competitive rates with a worldwide reach, a fully integrated one-stop shop social media broadcast platform. For more information, please contact our sales department at Cameo at CyberStationUSA.com. You're into the paranormal. Then you're into Don Ecker and Dark Matters. Something I have been immersed in for 20 years. Lunar research on items known as lunar transient phenomena. For over 400 years, world-class astronomers have been observing strange sights, lights, flashes, and other things on the moon. Provocative topics, listeners' calls, and interesting guests. My guest, Mr. Alan Stern. On my website, I have a list of a hundred or so lunar conspiracy theories. I had to kind of come to terms with one of them that I hadn't really thought about. It's the kind of show that might keep you up at night. Speculation is at some time in our past or perhaps even today, there is another presence on the moon. 
And I'm not talking about indigenous lunar folks. I'm talking about a space base by somebody else on the far side. Dark Matters with Don Ecker, exclusively on CyberStationUSA.com. This is CyberStation USA. Hi, we're Two Mics on the Mic, welcoming you to the Ultimate Party Hour. Here on CyberStationUSA.com, Saturdays at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. With great music and comedy, fun facts, and more. A perfect way to cap off your Saturday night with Two, two Mics, mics on, on the Mic. See you then. Bye for now. CyberStationUSA.com Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. We're talking about something tremendous. This is a revolution. This is CyberStation USA. Welcome back to its hour number one recap of Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, CyberStationUSA.com. And, well, earlier we had on, it was Johnny Hendricks, of course, and also Julie Williams. I want to thank you very much for joining the show. And also we have coming up here at number two, it's Lights Out Linton Vass. Oh, sorry, Lights Out Sean Merriman. And also Linton the Swarm Bass, along with my co-host, as always, Aspen Edwards. And now, we're going to recap. It was uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. It was the University of Maine Black Bears versus the Boston College Eagles. And we're going to be covering a lot of their games uh, all week, all season long. Let's start off here with the first game ever. A lot. It was, uh, for BC, it felt like on offense especially, it was, Hi, my name is blank. What is your name? Uh, you have a brand new quarterback in Darius Wade, who didn't start at all last year. Played a couple snaps, but... Didn't really play a lot. Uh, most of your offensive wide receivers that are starting are brand spanking new, whether it's Chad Bogensfield, whether it's Thad Smith, they're still pretty new. Bobby Swagger was last played over two years ago. You could say he's sort of quasi-new. And the offensive line, they replaced four out of the five starters. The only one coming back is Harris Williams, and only he played two games last year. So literally, it was, hi, my name is... John, what is your name? And it, it showed for the first, I'd say, two and a half quarters where BC really couldn't get much going on. They they, they scored 10 points in the, in the first three quarters. Made one nice long drive. They had another, another uh, play which was caused by a good you know, shanked punt that the defense did a great job at. And then you had probably the emotional play of the game, which was a 11-yard pass to Bobby Swigart, which... Look, this is a guy who's been battling injuries, battled two really horrific knee injuries. A lot of people thought he was going to be done for. But, you know, he'd been two years removed from his last game. We didn't expect him to ever play again. And seeing him, you know, get the go-ahead score to put the game up 7-3, in the press box that was just, you know, a bit of an emotional moment because everybody knew what he was going through. They knew this kid stuck around, he hung around, he worked his ass off. To see him get, you know, that touchdown catch on opening day in the debut of the 2015 season from Boston College, it was a nice little moment. Uh, once again, the, the offense finally emerged in the third, in the fourth quarter. They got back-to-back touchdowns off. First, it was a 45-yard scamp on a end-around from Tyler Rouse. Before that, it was a 33-yard touchdown run. Right at the middle, but also by Tyler Rouse. He had an excellent game with eight carries, eight for 81 yards. John Hillman, on the other hand, 16 rushes, 47 yards. Just he couldn't get anything going. I mean, you were times with the BC play calling. You saw them on offense. And as Coach Adazio said, they're, 
they could open up the playbook. They couldn't do a lot because they're trying to grow. They're trying to figure out what they can do and what they can't do. And when you have a and when you have a brand spanking new quarterback, when you have four brand new offensive linemen, a fifth that you know barely played last year, when you have new parts at wide receiver and tight end, you're trying to figure out you know what you can do. And they used the running game a lot. Maine started figuring that out after the first first or second series, and it was a struggle defensively in this game. It was just two defenses banging their heads against each other. Give credit to Boston College's defense. They shut down the pass and the offense of Maine. After that first series that Maine got a field goal out of, Maine got held to basically 20 carries on for 7 yards total. They only completed 84 yards total passing. The lone interception of the game was from B.C. as they picked off Dan Collins on a tip play that was recovered by William Harris. All in all, their defense has looked much improved compared to last year. Now, granted, it is Maine, which is a 1-double-A team. It's not Florida State. It's not Syracuse, even. But it's a good step in the right direction for Boston College. Last year, we saw them struggle a lot with the pass. But teams could beat them pretty on. They were susceptible to the big plays. Outside of that first series where, you know, it got a little bit chaotic. Players are still trying to figure out where to go, who to cover. After that... Main was basic. Main quarterback Dan Collins is running for his life. Uh, well, as I said, the next game is not going to tell us much. It's going to be against Howard. It's a one division, one double A team also, which is pretty god goddamn awful. But it's a way for BC to sort of figure out the kinks, you know, correct all the flaws in the offensive line, and start getting, you know, building up continuity. We'll see what happens here. As I said, we're going to be covering the Boston College uh, men's uh, football team throughout the season. Looking forward to seeing them in action. As I said. It's going to be a wild ride as they have a brand new spanking offensive line. They have a new quarterback once again, new wide receivers. They get to figure out in jail quickly or else this nice little season can turn into a nightmare very soon. But we got to wrap things up here. Remember, once again, hour number two, we got some big heavy hitters. It is lights out Sean Merriman. He's going to be telling us about his new clothing line and new prospects now that he's out of football. Plus, Linton the Swarm Vassal is going to be on the show. All this and more only on Last Call. Last Call at the Alcohol Cyber Station USA.com. Stay tuned for more great action coming up next.
Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol, CyberStationUSA.com. we got a lot of things going on here. Joining me on the line, this man here is going to be fighting. It's Bellator and Glory combined. It's a car which is going to feature two rings, and there's going to be four men in the light heavyweight division competing for a title shot. Aspen Edwards excited. She's saying, four big guys, two fights. In a final, and it's going to be lots of violence. That's what she loves, and as she said, guys are in shape. I give you once again the pride and joy of the Black Zillions. I give you the Swarm himself. I give you Litton Vassalo. Litton start off here with, uh, well, you're, you're sort of in a tournament again. Well, we, it's a one-day tournament, but it's a tournament, and it's you, uh, Mo Lawal, Emmanuel Newton, and Phil Davis. Right. I guess if this is what you wanted. You wanted bigger fights. You wanted high-profile fights, and well, whatever you, whoever you get in the first round is going to be very pretty high-profile. Oh, that's it. I wanted, I wanted high-profile fights. I said to Bellator, I wouldn't like number. I said top ten. I said or top five, and they delivered. You know, they gave me um, three opponents potentially. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to I'm going to let Aspen jump in a second. But first, who do you want? I mean, because. With each guy, it's, you know, there's something there. With Molo All, he's the guy who, it's there's always the rivalry because he is a trash talker. He knows how to sell a fight, and that's what you want. Emmanuel Newton, I'm guessing there's a lot of unfinished business, and you would love to get revenge on him giving you your first Bellator loss. And Phil Davis, he's the hot free agent they got. He's the guy that they brought in, they signed, and you'd love to be the guy to give him his first Bellator loss. So who do you want? Who's the one guy you hope to get in the first round in your semi-final fight? Um, it's, it's tough to pick. I've been thinking about like, who, who I want. Um, they're all dangerous in all different ways. Um, so I couldn't actually pick who, who I want because you say they're, they're all dangerous. So whichever one I get, it's not, it's not going to be an easy, easy, easy fight. Um, so I'm, I'm not not fast to who I've got first, but I know um, I've got to get the first one out of the way before I start picking up the, of the second opponent, really. Um, but yeah, whoever I get, it's, it's going to be um, you know a handful. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, so without knowing who you're going to fight, how are you preparing for this? How are you gearing up and getting yourself prepared to fight the unknown? Because you don't know yet. Yeah. Um, well, to, to be fair, everyone's a grappler. Um, that's the way. That's why I see everyone's got some stand up, but everyone that in the tournament is a grappler. So um, I'm really just um, doing a lot of wrestling, a lot of um, strength conditioning, and a lot, a lot of cardio. Um, similar to what, what I do um, for, my, for my other fights anyway. So, you know, if anything is up in the, the tempo and that one, it's, it's a bit more. Um, so that's how I'm getting prepared um, to fight basically these, these three guys. Have you upped your training schedule? Like, are, are you training more a week? Like, what are you doing? Um, not necessarily. I usually train two to three times a day, and I have like one rest day off. Um, so I'm I'm training pretty much the same, but I may just add a little bit bit, bit more distance in my in my running, where I've maybe run a couple of miles, so I'd run maybe an extra mile on that, or add an extra running session in into my week. Um, other than that, I'm just pretty much the same as as I would for any other any other fight. How big is it for you having Rashard Evans in the Black Zillions? Because he, he's sort of, for you, the wild card. We talked with Manny Newton, and his feeling is he's the wild card because he's the one stand-up guy, 
Everybody else is a wrestler. He knows what to prepare. You, your wild card is, as you said, Rashard Evans. He's beaten Phil Davis. He's trained extensively with Mola Wall. You already have a history with Emmanuel Dugan, so you don't have to prepare for him. How big is it for you having a guy who has intimate knowledge of the other two guys you're facing, Phil Davis and also Mola Wall? Oh, yeah, it helps, you know. Um, everyone in the gym, you know, they're they're helping in towards it. Um, but, yeah, it'd be, um, it's a big help having, um, you know, Rashad there. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, his knowledge um, will help help me, you know, um, do what I need to do to me on, on the night. Well, how, now, how do you balance everything? Because you, you're training, before you go to Miami, you're still training. So, how how do you keep busy when you're in, in back in London, when you're training, you know, with regular guys over there? And how to, and how do you then all of a sudden just go right into the things over in uh, the Black Zillions when there is that huge time zone difference? You know, you are going from London to Miami. Uh, that's a pretty, like, a five-hour time zone difference right there. Yeah. Well, I've been here now for two weeks in Florida, so, you know, I'm here for a while. I haven't just come over um, a week before. So the other day I actually came over, that was pretty shattering. So um, the first day I came, um, I slept for a little while. Um, um, but lucky enough, I was in California, so I was doing a bit of promo work there. So it was only five hours flight difference from California um, to, to Florida. So when I got to Florida, I just slept for a little while and then went training in the evening. You know, I, I got to Florida pretty pretty early in the morning. So I had the whole day to chill and just relax. And then the light um, grapple in the evening. And then I started back training the next day um, fully. So I, I, I feel fine, you know. Um, everything's going well. Okay, so my question is, going from London to Miami, and I mean California and all that, the temperature yeah. change, how is that affecting you? Because, I mean, let's face it, London's, London's a lot different than Miami, Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah, I, I noticed it. I noticed it in the, in the gym, you know, but it, it's just pushing me that extra bit, you know, every day I'm getting better. So, um, if anything, it, it, obviously it's, it's hard to get used to, but I am getting used to it, and, you know, I'm getting through it every day. I don't think there is any getting used to the Florida weather, but it's it's horrible down there. No, yeah. that is tough, but you know, what can you do? The better thing you can do is, is just carry on training, so you'll get used to it. Look, as long as you not train out in it, then it's okay to you inside. Yeah. You say that, but, you know, he, remember, Lynn's from England, so he's seen, like, just dreary cold weather. The kind of weather, like, in Seattle, you're looking going... God damn it, just let it stop. Let the rain stop for love of God. Three straight days. Yeah, but that's, that's that is completely different than Miami. I was down in Fort Lauderdale like a month and a half ago and I decided I was gonna go yeah. for a run and I got back to my hotel. I might as well have just jumped in the ocean. I would have been less wet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well what I do, um, if I do go running, it's usually that I, I won't go when it's blazing hot. I'll go in the evening. Yeah, I, I won't. There's no point going training and running in, in the blazing hot. Oh, come on. You don't want to get out there at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and just, you know, take off on the beach? 
Let's talk. I want to talk about the big event that came up that you were part of. Uh, we, we touched about going into it. You versus Remy Sokaju. I know we, we brought it up a bit, but what, what was that like, you know, when you're hitting the stage and you're looking around and it's Team UK, you know, there's yourself. There's, of course, Michael Page, who's also in, in Brazil. There's the champion himself, uh, Liam McGeary here. There was a lot of UK fighters at Bellator who were... And you guys, and you guys won the tournament. It was the UK guys who won. So, what was that like when, you know, it's the moment is where you guys are showing that you're the best fighters in Bellator. It's no longer just America and Brazil. It's, you know, Britain who's which, which is yeah. taking over. Yeah, that, it was it was an amazing feeling. You know, walking out uh, and I know that like, I was probably one of the first people to represent, you know, the UK for for our team that night. Um, yeah, so I had a lot of pressure on me, but yeah, it was a great feeling knowing that, you know, I was the first person to actually, you know, get the win um, Team UK, and then, um, yeah, it settled from there, and um, yeah, we've beaten um, pretty much every every fight, really, to be fair. But yeah, it was amazing, the feeling. Now, you had a big win. You got the win over, of course, Sorry, Remy, you got the win over Remy Sokaju. So what, what was that like, yeah. you know? Knocking him out in in impressive fashion, you got right on top of him, and you just knocked him out to the submission, just good old fashioned, as the Aspen Edwards likes to call it, just ground and pound. Nothing fancy, nothing technical, just pounding away. Nothing fancy in beating someone up. You know, um, I'm not that type of guy to start doing that spin um, moves and you know that type of stuff. I just go in there and, and get the win any way I can. You know, if it's ground and pound, submission, grind them out. And then and then finish him off to breast beast stoppage. Um, but yeah, to get a win up for him, you know, that that for me that was um, something big. Because um, growing up I've I've always seen Sokajuk fighting, you know, in Pride or Dream. And fighting some of the big names. So obviously fighting him I was like, you know, I wouldn't say nervous, but to me I was like, Okay, I'm fighting fighting Sokajuk, this is a big fight. Um, but then I had to, I had to think and think, hang on a minute. He's only a human, human being just like me, so I can't go in there being all starstruck. Um, yeah, and that's, that's how I got over it, to be fair. And yeah, we're in there and uh, got the win. Once again, we get, it's Linton Bass on the show. We're talking all things Bellator. We're talking uh, training Black Zillions, training Miami. Uh, of course, we got to mention about the other big thing going on here, Matt, is uh, you've seen everything that's going on with the UFC with the whole Reebok deal. Guys are losing a lot of money. Guys, unfortunately, losing sponsors. You are getting sponsored now. You're a guy who's slowly becoming a big name in the lightweight, light heavyweight division here. How is it for some of these guys? Guys you train with, guys you know are hurting financially because they've had to take a big pay cut. Oh, yeah, but it's not just the guys that I, I train with, people that I know that I don't train with, that I know. They're not happy. You can even see it on social media. Everyone's like, you know, pissed off. Um, with this Reebok deal. I, I think it's stupid as well. You can't go from, I don't know, 30, 40 grand um, uh, extra for bonuses for um, sponsors to like, you know, some of them are getting, I think, um, $2,000 or $4,000, you know, it's, 
how do you survive financial right now? And how much is and is it getting better for you now that you are, you know, fighting in higher profile fights? I mean, you would spoke yeah, to you. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm um, obviously the higher profile fights. I'm getting, you know, obviously um, getting paid more. You know, sponsorships as well um, starting to pay out. You know, um, that's, that's that's how I live. You know, from fighting. Next, I'm going to ask Ben jump in on the next question because I know she has a lot to ask also. But we we talked about as you mentioned payday. So what do you? How much easier is it for you now, now that you're getting more money, to not have to take a second and third job? You know, not training, you know, uh, middle-aged uh, housewives. or not training, you know, training older guys who want to get in shape, and you're sitting there going, oh, my God, you can't do a goddamn sit-up. I'm trying to train you. I can do 20 sit-ups. You can't do one. This is killing me. God damn it. You can be honest with real less. You, you've seen people you've had to train like, oh, my God, this guy can't do a sit-up. It's killing me. Hey, you know, if you've never worked out a day in your life, one sit-up is a big thing. I'm just saying. I can do more than that. I'm not saying that I can, that I, that I can't. But, you know, to some people, one sit-up is a big deal. Considering they've the only sit-up they've ever done is, you know, to pull themselves up to the table. Anyways. You're <laughs> crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> well, you know it's true. You know it's true. You've walked in. People have wanted you to train them and everything else, and you're sitting here going, "When was the last time you saw a salad?" <laughs> it's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but it's the truth. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, obviously, anybody. they need it. That's it. Obviously, yeah, they they need to. Um, you know what? What they that's, that's the big the big part. Um, obviously, yeah, I get all shapes of guys asking to help him, you know, get, get, get fit, um, get them in shape and stuff. But yeah, the biggest thing is, I always say to them, your diet, what do you eat? We'll change that up. And then, yeah, we, we, can, we can start training them and start losing the weight. But um, as soon as they start, you know, um, that diet, and then that's, that's the major part, is the eating. Because you might eat good all day, and then at night you start eating like, you know, Fried chicken, you know, fried fish, fried whatever, you know, um, and that's what's, you know, the bad stuff. Okay, well, we're on the subject of food. You've now made me hungry, thank you. Yeah, um, I'm hungry. <laughs> what does your typical meal consist of? Like, you train all day, two, three times a day, you bust your ass all the time, in and out of the gym and all of that. What does your typical meal consist of? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, in, in the morning, I usually have um, like oatmeal. I have oatmeal with almond butter, um, almond milk. I have some bananas, chopped up banana in there, um, some raisins, um, and sometimes I put some um, chopped up um, strawberries as well. So that's, that's what happened in the morning. That's been my, my basically my meal every every morning, and with some almond nuts as well. Okay, so my big thing is what caused you. To get into MMA, I mean, like, what caused you to say, "All right, I'm going to get in this ring with this other dude that's as big as I am, and we're just going to beat each other's ass until we figure out who wins"? Like, yeah, well, what caused you the, to do the, that? The real reason was my, my friend, my friend Cliff Paul. He was um, he was fighting, and um, he, he was always saying to me, "You should come come to, to my gym and um, try it out. You're a big dude, you know, you like that type of stuff." Because I used to watch it, and I used to wrestle. I only like my friends messing around and stuff. And um, yeah, I went, went to the gym 
do want to have a, a semi-pro fight. So after a couple of weeks of, you know, I'm in and I'm in, thinking, should I, should I not? I actually took the fight. And then after that, you know, I loved it. I won that fight in about one minute, ten seconds. Um, and then from there, yeah, that's when I started. So it's purely because of my friend got me into it. <laughs> it's not like you just woke up one morning and said, oh, I'm going to go beat somebody's ass. No. <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't. I never used to fight on the street or nothing like that. And I never thought, oh, I want to be a fighter. It wasn't until I actually tried it out. Thought, yeah, okay. I like this. And I'm pretty good at it. Let me, let me continue. <laughs> and, and, and I get paid. So, yeah. Hey, what could be better? If it's something that you enjoy and you're good at it and That's you can right. make money? Yeah. training at light heavyweight, you're competing at light heavyweight. Have you thought about yeah. going to heavyweight, though? Because the heavyweight champion yeah. right now is gone. I mean, if you're, I know Bellator's trying to figure out what the hell is going on there. There's oh, a big yeah. chance. I've been thinking of that, definitely, 100%. Because I'm guessing you saw yeah. that fight between Kimbo Slice and uh, Frank and Ken Shamrock. You must be going, what the hell? I could have beaten both of them when I was 12. What the hell? That's right, that's right, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of definitely going to heavyweight at some point. You know, um, the right matchup, you know, the right time. Perfect. Um, I've always been thinking of going, going back up to heavyweight. I started off at heavyweight. Um, it was my, my second fight. I was, I was a heavyweight. And then I, I fought about three fights at heavyweight. Um, and then I went to light heavyweight because I thought that was the perfect um, weight for me. But yeah. Definitely considering to go back, back, back up. You can be honest with us. After that Kimbo slice Frank Shamrock fight, you must have been calling uh, Scott Coker at like you know twelve a.m. in the morning, going, "Scott, great fight, me versus Kimbo, be perfect, make it happen." <laughs> well, to be fair, I didn't say that, but that would be a perfect fight. Yeah, that would be. I'd love that. Yes, because that you, I see you going. It's big money. He can't stop a takedown. Scott Coker's probably looking good. No, it's not a good fight. He'll get knocked out. Can you hear that? Scott Coker's going, no, it's not a good fight. Kimball's going to lose badly. <laughs> he won't want to put that for him. 
he, he wants, I can tell, he wants, like, you know, the Fedor versus Kimbo. Millions of people will watch, and then they'll be like, all right, it's a stand-up fight, and I can get pay out of this. You're the guy who's going to try ruining the Apple cart. I understand that part. You're, I understand your part. You want to make money. Scott Coker is probably going, no, 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 no. no. We're not letting Lynn Vassell near Kimbo's slut. It's, it's like letting, you know, a horny uh, sailor near a virgin daughter. No. Uh, anyway, we got we got moving us up here. Uh, so as we, we talked about everything going on here, we talked about you know your success. We talked about training here. Uh, how tough is it for you nowadays, though, having a normal life? Because people are now coming up to you and they're asking, "Oh, hey, hey Linton, we love you. We have a we have a business proposition." Or Linton, we love you. Can you loan us a couple bucks? Or Linton, we love you. Can you get us free Bellator tickets? Uh, how tough is it, you know, making friends and you know, seeing if people are really friends with you or they're just along for the ride? Uh, no, it's not tough. I love, I love the fans, and obviously my friends, are, my friends are always there for me, always there supporting. Even though someone can't come and actually watch, but I know they're watching on TV and back home. But yeah, it's, it's not hard, you know. I said that everyone's there. I love, I love the fans, you know. I'm saying, I love you, even though they don't, but, you know, but I, I love that. And signing autographs, taking pictures. I, 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 love, I love all that, you know, giving back as well. It's coming up soon. It's the, it is the big fight here, as you mentioned, with you, Mo, Mo Wall, Phil Davis, yeah. Manuel Newton. I know that you, in the past, you've not been pro-tournament. How do you, how does this been come about? Because this is two fights one night. This is, you know, the old-style UFC where you had, you know, the... The one-day tournament, you know, eight men, you know, one guy becomes the whole champion. That's a lot of punishment. You know, the body's usually not made for that. So for you, how do you, you know, get, you know, physically and mentally ready for two fights in one night? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know it's not going to be easy. Um, to be fair, just fight that first fight. Win that first fight, you know. I'm, I'm not going to go in there and, and start. I'll, I'll hold that. Scoring points and make it a boring fight. I'm going there to win to win that first fight. You know, win that first fight, and then then you're in the second fight. There's no point going in there and trying to oh, let me um not take no damage, make it boring, and hopefully I'll get you know some points on the on the judges judges scorecard. They could score it the other way. So yeah, go in that first fight and just win. Exactly what we're gonna do. Last question for both for each of us before I let you go. Mine is very simple. Uh, it's September nineteenth, only at uh, Bellator MMA, Bellator MMA Dynamite. Uh, Lee McGarry, Tito Ortiz, uh, Litton Vassell, Phil Davis, Mo Wall, and Manuel Newton. I'm going to put a gun to your head. Who do you feel is the best first round matchup for you? Do you, do you is it Mo Wall? Is it Phil Davis? Is it Manuel Newton? In a in a three round fight, who do you prefer you face first? For, all right, so first round is two rounds. So who do you yeah. feel? Um, to, to, to be fair, either all three. Um, I've, I've got the ability to be all three of them. So, um, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all tough in their own way, but, you know, um, I've, I've got what I need, and I know what to do exactly to be all three of them. So, either one. Okay, see, my last question, it's going to be real simple. After all of this, after MMA is done, after you've, you fought your last fight and everything's done, what are you looking to do after that? Like, how are you parlaying this into something else? What's the next big thing um, after MMA? Well, to be fair, I want to, like, obviously, invest in properties, 
Um, so that's, that's what I'll be doing, like investing in properties. Um, obviously, when I'm, when I'm finished, and you know, get back to the community in, um, in a way that like, I like to open a gym. Not, not necessarily a fighter's gym, but a gym to help out, you know, um, you know, the kids that are usually like in trouble, getting in trouble, so they say, um, just, you know, it's like for them to do. Um, and, you know, just give something back to be fair. Um, that's, what, that's what I want to do. There you have it. Once again, I give you the pride and joy of uh, London, all the way now from Miami, Florida. Training with the Black Zillions, getting ready for its Bellator MMA Dynamite. I give you, once again, I give you a Linton Vassal. And Linton, before I let you go, who are the sponsors of this upcoming fight? Who are the guys you guys have lined up to sponsor you for Bellator MMA Dynamite? Um, the biggest one is um, Are You Vapid? Um, Live and Fat. Um, what else is there? There's a few, there's a few more. There's um, The Warehouse. There's Gruda Nutrition. There's... Um, Marcel's Beauty, um, um, and that's, that's it right, right now. Oh, and there's, there's Impact as well. Well, there you have it. Once again, it's Lynn Vassal. Lynn, always on a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks you very much. Uh, pleasure all ours. We come back, me and Aspen have a whole lot more only on Last Call. Last Call with the Alcohol Cyberstation USA.com. This may be our last chance to provide the means of saving civilization from annihilation. There's much we can learn from each other. One of those moments in history. We are all together out on the internet. Can there be a peace between us? You were an eyewitness. The people who grew up with the technology. This is CyberStationUSA.com. This is for you, for my way. Please keep in touch. The best of Dark Matters Radio with your host, the legendary Don Ecker, currently being held for questioning in Area 52. And that was a real shock because it was not part of the original description of our, of our project. It was way better than that. No wonder we can't find it. Cameo Entertainment Group and Cyberstation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive Cyberstation USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Cyberstation USA. Always on the go. CyberStation USA is the future of radio. Get your business into the online future at the world's largest internet radio station. From banner placement on our homepage to any of our broadcaster stages, commercials on our video player, audio spots on any of our shows, or at the beginning of any of our on-demand broadcasts. CyberStation USA offers competitive rates with a worldwide reach, a fully integrated one-stop shop social media broadcast platform. For more information, please contact our sales department at Cameo at CyberStationUSA.com. CyberStationUSA.com Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. We're talking about something tremendous. This is a revolution. This is CyberStation USA. And welcome everyone to its last call. Last call with the alcohol. CyberStationUSA.com. we got 
a lot of big things going on here. But now join me on the line. Uh, this man here will be uh, fight. It's well, he's no longer. He's no. He's not a fighter. He's not even a football anymore. He is now a all-around personality. He's a clothing like Madden. He's on Fox Sports. He's on all over the place. I give you well one of the biggest names ever had him a show. A former three-time All-Pro, Pro Bowler, San Diego Chargers 50th team anniversary player. He now has his own clothing line called Lights Out. That's right. I give the pride and joy of Maryland. I give you once again or introducing Sean Merriman. Now, Sean, let's start off here with first. Tell us about the clothing line. It's a big thing here. It's uh, Lights Out uh, clothing, Lights Out brand. How much work have you put into this since you the first time to now? How much have you spent in terms of blood, sweat, tears, money? How much has gone into this? So, so much, man. Um, actually, you know, I've been called lights out since I was 13 years old. Um, and, you know, when I got a chance to get a little porn in my pocket, when I got drafted by the Eagle Chargers, I went to go, you know, buy the name and, and, and knew it could be a great company. Uh, and it's been building, built my whole career, and now being able to, uh, to launch and become one of the biggest uh, uh, fitness and apparel active wear lines out there, just seeing the, the, the movement that's been making the social media, um, the, the being able to be able to go into retail um, here within the next six months. Uh, it's just been great. You know, um, everyone knows me as it, it, being a big uh, gym rat, uh, fitness alcoholic. I mean, it's been part of my life since I've been playing sports. Uh, and, and a lot of guys kind of just to play football, and it was a part of my lifestyle, and I just knew that if I created a brand uh, that people would like, uh, that it was going to be big, so here we are, lightsoutbrand.com, it's sold on the website, and uh, it's doing well, man, I'm excited. How, how tough was it for you finding the right people to share your vision, you know, the, and I'm not talking about models, because those are the easiest people to get, but, you know, the business partners, the manufacturers, you know, the, the website developers, how much time do you spend researching and networking and trying to find these people that you could trust? That they, you could, you know, bring them into your company, they get your idea, and they're not just wasting your time or, at worst, costing you money. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. I'm um, always trying to find somebody with the same vision. Uh, you want to go to the same. And it, it takes a lot of work because it, it's big brands out there Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Reebok. You have all these other companies who. Uh, kind of taking over the market and been doing it for so long that you're coming in and you want to compete with the best uh, so you have to go out and get the best. Uh, you have to find the best manufacturer. You have to find the best designer. Uh, you'll find the best marketing people to really get the brand out there and let people know what this product is about. Uh, and even though I'm the driving force of that, I've always learned uh, in business a long time ago that if I don't know something, I'm going to go get the best people uh, to do it. So it's been a process in finding the people with the right experience or the right connections because you need that. I don't care what industry you're in, the right connections to kind of live out your your, your vision. Um, and it's gotten me all the way here. It's just been a lot of work, a lot of process. And uh, to see some of these other bigger brands start to take notice, um, you know, means it's, it's, it's growing big in the marketplace. So I'm happy about that. All this is going on, and unfortunately, for every success you've had, you've had to run to a hiccup. The hiccup has been, as you mentioned before, Nike's the big the big brand. They try to take the lights out and the whole gimmick or the, the slogan. You've had to fight for it. And a lot of ways, what people don't think understand is 
you've lost deals. I mean, you were rumored to be with WWE. There's a lot of talk. And that, I guess, fell to the wayside. There was talk of you being in other shows. That fell to the wayside. How tough was it for you fighting Nike and realizing that once you st once you take them on, other people won't back you up. They just don't want to get involved in taking on Nike. No, absolutely. And Nike is such a, a big company, conglomerate, been around for so long, have so many different ties with, with people, retailers, networks. Um, and when you go and you take a company like that on, uh, people back off. You know, I, I people ask me all the time about uh, the WWE and what happened with the WWE and some of the other things I was working on with. Um, you know, when you go and take on a company like Nike, everyone is hands up. No one wants a part of that. Um, and, and that's the reason why they go and do um, what they do. You know, I, I built my company. I've earned my name like how uh, you can ask anyone. I've been called like doctor. I was 13 years old. I lived up to the name that turned into a uh, profitable company. And so when you have companies like Nike who are just so big and want to take advantage of people, uh, especially their own athletes, they have a company built on the athletes, and now they come along. If they we're bigger than you, we can do what we want. We're basically above the law. Uh, so now you have to take on that kind of um, you know situation. But I'm, I'm you know, I'm is going to work out, and everything is going to go in my favor because of the way they did things. And uh, no matter how big you are, you are bigger than the law. And you know I'll play that thing out. So people kind of know that what they went out and did. They, they basically, in my opinion, they stole um, a name that they like of mine and don't want to, you know, have me involved in it and saying, hey, we're, we're bigger than you, so we're going to make you fight and make you, uh, you know, do things you don't want to do. So I'm, I'm confident and I'm sure the thing is going to play out well in my favor. I know you can't get too many, into too many details about the lawsuit because it's just a whole bag of worms, but when do you hope this gets settled? I mean, when do you hope you, there's a resolution to all this? Because... I'm guessing you don't want this to just lag on for years, that you have, you know, other other irons in the fire you want to get taken care of, and you don't want this to just hang over you like an albatross. What are you hoping that there's a, a resolution to this whole thing? You, you know, I'm hoping that they, that they own up to what they did, no matter if they think that, you know, uh, this thing go on forever. What they did was wrong. And they had a, a chance to fix it a long time ago and did uh, And... Unfortunately, companies is this big, they know that how the law plays out. They know you can be in court for years to go on. I mean, we've been in this process for almost two years now, and they know it can go on for another year or two. Um, and with them knowing that, uh, and, and certain people are not financially being able to fight them, they want to keep doing it. They want to keep pressing on. Um, but with me, man, I'm relentless. Um, I believe that I'm doing something big enough where I can stand up to anybody who decided to step on my trademark and step on a company and a name that I built uh, and put so much behind in keeping that name and making sure that name stays good in the eyes of uh, people, stay good in the eyes of the trademark office, and I've done everything right. Now, what they're basically saying is we know we're wrong, but we're going to keep bullying you uh, until, you know, you do what we want you to do, and that's never going to happen. Recently, you've been doing a lot more stuff off, you know, off the field. You were able to get cross over to Hollywood. You've done stuff with Mad TV, uh, Entourage. Uh, big, you've even done reality shows like The Biggest Loser, The Mindy Project. How big has this sort of helped you in terms of mentally finding peace after you retired from football? How much did it help you having something to 
focus on once you were no longer playing football? Well, you know, one of the things is football is the greatest sport in the world. Uh, and nothing can probably ever replace that feeling that you have walking out the tunnel or being in a locker room with your teammates um, or whatever. Uh, it, it's just a feeling that you can't even express that you get uh, in the energy uh, that you get from other people who are waiting for Sunday to come around. Uh, but, you know, I, I just knew that I had something more to do when I was done playing. Uh, I enjoyed the, the things I'm doing off the field. And I enjoy being on TV. Now I enjoy being on uh, Fox and various different networks talking sports uh, because it allows me to still be around it. Um, it allows me to get my opinion on what I see um, is going on, not just on TV or on the field, but also in the locker room, in the front office. Uh, that sometimes people just have no clue about. Uh, so it, it, it allows me to talk about that a little bit. As long as people keep listening, uh, I'll keep talking. So I enjoy it. So right now, what, what, for this upcoming season, where are you going to be? Where are you working on it? What, what TV shows can we check you out on? I'm, I'm based in uh, I'm based in LA. Uh, I'm, I'm mostly on Fox. The other day, I actually hosted uh, uh, Sports Center. Uh, not, sorry, not Sports Center, but Sports Nation on ESPN, uh, and it was amazing. We had a great time uh, doing that, and I, I love it, man. I love being on screen, and I have a, a couple other projects coming up where I'm actually playing a different character for the first time. Yeah, I've done, like you said, the entourage and some comedy uh, sketches and sitcoms and things like that while I was either playing myself or playing someone in like a football player type of role. And this thing I have coming up that we're developing, um, I'm actually playing another character. So I'm excited about that. How much have you, have you worked on for in terms of that? How much have you worked on you know, transitioning over, you know, learning acting, learning, you know, business. How much time have you spent just immersing yourself into becoming an entrepreneur? You're no longer a football player. You're now a former NFL player slash business entrepreneur. You know, one one thing that I've learned uh, and with, with kind of football and sports in general has taught me that if you practice at something enough or you, you, you take the time and you learn it, and you work hard enough, you eventually get good. Um, and that's the same thing when, you know, I had to go see acting coaches, uh, the reading lines, and I had to get in the character and do these certain things. Uh, and on the business side, uh, I've had some great mentors and people who I was able to be around uh, early on in my career, uh, like the Donald Trump, you know, and you know, obviously he's running for president right now, but... Uh, you know, he's allowed me to kind of come around his organization to uh, ask questions, to find out about business. And being able to pick up the phone and call someone like that who's been so successful um, in, in doing what they're doing, you can only be grateful and be a sponge. You know, I was a sponge for a long time in, uh, in the business world, just like I was in football. You know, when Ray Lewis came around me when I was 16 years old, LeVar Harrington and some of the pros, uh, I wanted to learn as much from them as possible, so I was willing to sit back, uh, literally with mental notes and everything that went on. Sometimes physical notes. I mean, I, first time I went to Donald Trump's office was uh, back in 2006, 2007. Uh, you know, when I sat in the meeting, I literally had a notepad out and everything that was going on. I'm like, how how often are you going to get Donald Trump to allow you to sit in these meetings to see how things go and how things operate? And so I became a human sponge. And, you know, I credit a, a lot of people who've been willing to, to, to lend help hand and have me around to learn these things and uh, to why I'm doing 
You play. I know you miss football. I know you do love football. I gotta ask for. Do you ever count yourself lucky that you were able to physically walk away from the game? Because let's face it, it's a brutal sport. People don't see that. You know, when the cameras are off, when you're not playing, there's probably days you're soaking in an ice bath or you know popping ibuprofen like it's candy because your body's just been wrapped from practice. I mean. How long did it take you to physically be able to just go through a day where you're not in pain, you know, once you retired from football? And, and how do you keep your body still fresh after literally playing, what, six or seven seasons of high-impact football, putting your body through the grind and literally just beating yourself up every year? Um, you know, it's funny you say that because I still train uh, with a lot of guys who are either at the end of their career or they're already done. Um, and I was with one, one particular guy who couldn't squat anymore. He couldn't use a squat rack, and we were in the gym, and he had some really bad back problems while he was playing. And um, even though we all love the game of football, and it, it'll never be anything like to kind of replace that in our lives, uh, it is a physical game. And you're going to walk away with some bumps and bruises that might be there for the rest, for the rest of your life. Um, and, I, you know, we, I think we all signed up for that. And you hope that that doesn't happen, but it's part of it. And, you know, for me, I, I just really enjoy still taking care of my body. Another, another night, I, I was at Beat Rum, and, um, you know, a lot of people see me walking out, and they're like, oh, we didn't know you did Beat Rum. like, yeah, I, I do a bunch of alternative stuff to always keep my body intact. In um, I'm always uh, getting these massages, and I'm always stretching, and I'm always, you know, dieting and doing the right things because, I think as soon as you stop doing that, that's when you feel everything has happened. Not just in NFL, but in college, high school, team league. I mean, you've been playing football for a long time. And the second you stop is when that other stuff kick in. So I just always convince myself never to stop. Um, and I do enjoy it. It's, it's a part of my life. Uh, but you have to stay on top of it. Final two questions will let you go. Once again, we, we're very proud to have Sean Merriman, former Chargers All-Pro uh, linebacker now turned business entrepreneur here you've learned the hard way that you know unfortunately there's a lot of people who want to get into your pants or get into your pocketbook or get into the parties not in that order uh you learned what fortune with tequila, tequila that there are people who probably just want to get their hooks into you and then bleed you dry so for you nowadays now that you've gone through the nfl now that you're in hollywood now that you're a businessman how tough is it having friends how tough is it dating how tough is it to, you know, for somebody to earn your trust when you've seen everything and probably everything and know what somebody will do or what somebody will say to try to get into your good side and get into the inner circle? Well, it's a lot easier now uh, than it was when I was younger. Because you're just coming in, all this money, and all these people started to come around. Um, you know, you have all these advisors telling you they can do this, that, or whatever. You really never know. And, you know, I've had a couple bad teams here and there, uh, but it was a learning process. Literally, um, you know, you get a crash course of, of masses in business when you're dealing with that type of that type of money, and it's forced to make those decisions at a young age. Uh, you can only hope to surround yourself by the best people when you're younger. When you're older, it's a lot easier. You've seen it all. You can, uh, you know exactly who's really good at what they do, whether it's managing money, whether it's investing money. Uh, no matter what it is, you, you know that when you're older. But when you're younger, it's, it's so hard to tell because your head is just spinning. You don't know. Um, and everyone has a great idea. Everyone uh, presents you the next idea that's going to make you a billion dollars. And 
you know, you, you hear these things enough, and you've seen so many other things go wrong with other people, you know, it, it just provides you a learning curve that you don't get out here and, and I would say, someone living more of a regular life. Uh, you really get a crash course in uh, protecting not only yourself, but your money, protecting uh, what you've built. And, you know, I, I'm only, I'm, I'm, well, that's to happen because it's, it's people my age now which just starting to come into a little bit of success and they don't know what to do with it just yet. They don't know what to invest. They don't know the, the good and the bad people, you know, bad people come around. Uh, they're just figuring it all out. And at 20 years old, I was already dealing with it. Uh, so, you know, I can only hope to, to keep growing for this. And, look, I, I want to be known as one of the best, not only business guys out here, but I want to build something uh, powerful. Um, I want to build something and do something that hasn't been done before, and I want to try to do it. Uh, and, you know, I surround myself with whoever I think they can uh, provide me with the best uh, assistance to the vision I have. What's the future hold for you? I mean, what, to us, what's the short-term goals and the long-term goals for Sean Merriman come 2015, 2016, and beyond? You know, I'm, I'm just a, a glutton for knowledge. I've always been that way. Uh, you know, I'm probably one of the most persistent, relentless people you ever know. Like, I just won't stop. When, I, when I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, and, you know, I want to be the best at everything I do. In the short-term goals, I really want to... Um, Always be able to continue to be around football. Uh, I love the game. Uh, every week or every other week, I go to different high schools and different camps and just spend a, a day or two with the kids, teaching them pass rush moves or going on the defense side of the ball and teaching them drills. So that that's more of my way of giving back and still being around the game because I love it. In the short term, uh, I think the lights out is is next up. It's you know, if you look at apparel and you look at fitness and active wear and things like that, I think lights out is the next one up. Um, and the more and more people start to take notice of, of what's going on and, and create this kind of a brand, it's just falling in love with it. And I want people to really enjoy the product. We um, represent, you know, just pushing the limits and going all the way out. Uh, and, and competition, man, it's lights out in the competition. I really love that part of it. Well, there you have it. Once again, I give you the pride and joy of, uh, well, the Lights Out brand. He's also a former uh, three-time Pro Bowler, San Diego Chargers, uh, great, and a man who is has his eyes on a lot of different pies. I give you, once again, it's Sean Merriman. Sean, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out? Where is the Twitter page, website, Instagram, Facebook? Where can the fans hit you up at? Yeah, I, I love when people follow me because I, I post some pretty funny stuff um, you know, I do these fine stuff with some of these big fine comedy guys and uh, some actors and stuff of mine who are your friends. Uh, just doing stuff, having fun with social, more social networks, because that's what it's really about. But follow me at Sean Merriman. Uh, also, my Instagram is Sean Merriman as well. And uh, uh, apparel company for Lights Out is lightsoutbrand.com. We have a bunch of new stuff coming, so I want people to really check that out. Well, there you have it. Once again, I give you the pride and joy. I give you Sean Merriman. Uh, we come back. we got a whole lot more only on Last Call. Last Call at the Alcohol, CyberStationUSA.com. This may be our last chance to provide the means of saving civilization from annihilation. There's much we can learn from each other. One of those moments in history. We are all together out on the internet. Can there be a peace between us? You were an eyewitness. The people who grew up with the technology. This is CyberStation, USA.com. A worldwide broadcasting system. This is for you. 
from my life. Please keep in touch. Dark Matters Radio with your host, the legendary Don Ecker, currently being held for questioning in Area 52. And that was a real shock because it was not part of the original description of our, of our project. It was way better than that. No wonder we can't find it. Cameo Entertainment Group and Cyberstation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive Cyberstation USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Cyberstation USA. Always on the go. CyberStation USA is the future of radio. Get your business into the online future at the world's largest internet radio station. From banner placement on our homepage to any of our broadcasters' features, commercials on our video player, audio spots on any of our shows, or at the beginning of any of our on-demand broadcasts. CyberStation USA offers competitive rates with a worldwide reach, a fully integrated one-stop shop social media broadcast platform. For more information, please contact our sales department at Cameo at CyberStationUSA.com. CyberStationUSA.com Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. We're talking about something tremendous. This is a revolution. This is CyberStation USA. And welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call to the alcohol, CyberStationUSA.com. we got a lot of big things going on. Uh, first, I want to thank my wonderful guests. We had, of course, earlier down number one, it was Johnny Hendricks, and as well as Linton Vassell. We also had Julian Williams. And our surprise guest, Sean uh, Lights Up Merriman. Want to thank all four of them for joining the show, as well as my wonderful co-host, Aspen Edwards. We're going to go right to our number two recap. It's uh, good, the bad, the ugly. This time it was UFC uh, 191. It's Demetrius Johnson versus John Dodson. It was the main event. Uh, Andre Arlovsky versus Frank Mir, the co-main event. I'll say this. Both those two fights, if you suffered from... Insomnia, if you couldn't get any sleep, they both put you damn right to sleep. Uh, let's start off here with the Arlovsky versus Mir fight. Uh, it was just ugly. Uh, kind of what you expect. Look, look, both of these guys have seen a lot of wear and tear in their body. Uh, Frank Mir has been around the sport since, you know, UFC what, 35, 34. He's been around the block a long, long time. He's been fighting since his first fight in UFC... 34, which is 2001. He is 36 years old. That's a long time to be fighting. Andre Arlovsky, another guy, been around the sport for a long, long time. Also 36 years old. He made his UFC debut at UFC 28. It's just what you expect of these two guys. They are in their mid-30s. They've literally been... Fighting for a long time. They no longer have the speed. Both of them are a bit shitty because they've just taken a lot of punishment. And it was a very slow affair. Neither guy had a lot of fireworks. Neither guy did a lot to impress the judges. Arlovsky gets gets a scorecard by uh, unanimous decision. 29-28 on two scorecards. 30-27 on another one. Kind of a boring fight. And then you go to meet just Johnson versus John Dodson. 
I'm a big fan of uh, DJ Johnson. I'm a big fan of Mighty Mouse. He's one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world. That said, he's an acquired taste. If you enjoy counterpunching, if you enjoy fast-paced action, if you enjoy, you know, a technical fight, you know, a lot of fast-paced action, not a lot of maybe knockout power in each punch, not a lot of, you know, let's say, call it Rock'em Sock'em Robots, you like Demetrius Johnson. If you don't, if you like a fight which is more action-packed, you know, heavy-handed punches, if you like bigger guys, you look at Demetrius Johnson, Judd Donson, and think, God, it's a stinker. And this is what the UFC, I think, has to realize. This, especially in America, this is not, this has never been a country which has embraced smaller fighters. Most of the best boxers in in the world, when they fight over here and fight on TV, it's usually because they're Mexican. They have a huge fan base which they can bring over. Case in point, Eric Morales, Marco Antonio Barrera, uh, Manny Pacquiao, Leo Santa Cruz, even Abner Myritz. They're all either Filipino or Mexican-American or Mexican fighters. They're guys who have a built-in fan base that travels. And it also resonates with a lot of Latin American Mexican fan base in the United States. Demetrius Johnson doesn't really have a big fan base. There's a lot of fans who just don't like him. And it's been shown now on his last three pay-per-views where he got, failed to get over 210,000 pay-per-view buys for any of his fights. Two of them they were under 200,000. In fact, one of them was under 120,000. That's how bad they are. How do you fix it? I really don't know. I mean... You could argue that you could get rid of the flyweight division, you know, just move everybody up to 130, 135 pounds. I think that's usually the best bet. It's The 135 already, you don't have a lot of top contenders, and it's very limited. Uh, 125, you have a champion who's just head and shoulder above everybody else. Might as well just move them all up. Give Demetrius Johnson versus TJ Dillashaw. That might be able to make, you know, ratings and pay-per-view buys for both of that. And the USC, I think, understands now. I mean, as much as Dana White wants to say that all those drunken fans who are booing the fight, they sort of understand now that you literally, when DJ is fighting, and if he's the main event, it's not going to do well in the pay-per-view. I mean, this card overall, when you look at it, was not the biggest pay-per-view line they could have put out there. Now, Paige Van Zandt took on Alex Chambers. That was a bit of a one-sided fight on paper. It was a one-sided fight in the ring, and she won by... Uh, armbar submission. I get it. She's a beautiful woman. She's very talented. She's young. At some point, well, they gotta, they got to develop her. At some point, she has to fight somebody who is a true top 10 fighter. Somebody who you know is a legitimate threat to beat her. Or else, this becomes sort of a sideshow. Which is what I, you don't really need in MMA. It's no longer you know, 2,000. You're trying to struggle for fans. This is not what you need. Uh, Anthony Johnson's very serious to Jimmy Manawa. Yeah, Anthony won, but then he goes on his tirade about how the media is out to get him. It's all conspiracy, even though the fact he's had a violence towards women, even though he threw a mat that a woman was on, and even though he even owns a dog kennel, supposedly is crumping a dog's ears. It is just, he is a nightmare to have to deal with, but we'll see what happens here with him. The best part, I thought, was the undercard fights. It was Ross Pearson, Paul Feddle. It was a very exciting fight. A split decision victory for Ross Pearson. Uh, Raquel Pennington, happy birthday to her. And, well, she picked up a $50,000 bonus uh, check with her submission uh, rear naked choke victory over Jessica Andrade and avenged a prior loss she had to her 
all the way back in UFC 168. And John Lineker and Francisco Rivera, it was a, for two minutes, it was the greatest action-packed fight you could imagine. It was rock'em, sock'em robots. Both those two just going out there and giving everybody their bang for the buck. Can't argue with any of those results. I mean, they the preliminary card did its job. It got asses in seats. It got fans involved. It made everything exciting. The problem was the main event card just was terrible. You had two fights which were kind of boring. Uh, Corey Anderson versus Jan Blachowski. A lot of people will complain and say it was a dreadful fight. And the other two fights were sort of squash fights. There was no real competitive fight. There was nothing you could look and go, this is something that you can put on and just rewatch over and over again. We'll see what happens. UFC 192 will be coming up in October. Uh, you also have... Strike a Bellator Dynamite, the MMA meets K1 card, which I'm looking forward to seeing. We're going to find out later on what happens here, but once again, uh, it was UFC 191, Dodson vs. Johnson 2. Uh, Demetrius Johnson retains his UFC Flyweight Championship victory with a unanimous decision. He looks unstoppable. We'll see what happens here, but we got to wrap this up here. And remember, next week it's going to be, we're going to be talking to a lot of guys over at the PBC on NBC. As we heard earlier last week, it was it's going to be Peter Kid Quillen versus Michael Safara. It's also going to be the very entertaining K-9 uh, Cornelius Bundridge versus Jamal Charlo in a IBF white middleweight scrap. We're going to be seeing those two guys in action. Plus, there's this pay-per-view card of He Should Not Be Named versus Andre Berto, but uh, who gets a rat's ass? But I got, we got to wrap this up. So for Aspen Edwards, for Lights Out Sean Merriman, Johnny Hendricks, Julian Williams, and as well as Linton, the Swarm Vassal, this is the Sports Swami saying have a great weekend, everyone. I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action only on CyberStationUSA.com, the home of real free radio. This is a digital world. Every day is game day. This is the future of radio in America. The future of radio. This is the future of radio. The future of radio. Rather extraordinary things. Cyber Station USA. 100%. Radio XQ. To remake the world broadcasting This is CyberStationUSA.com. Revolutionizing radio. This may be one of the greatest moments in history. You're into the paranormal. Then you're into Don Ecker and Dark Matters. Something I have been immersed in for 20 years. Lunar research on items known as lunar transient phenomena. For over 400 years, world-class astronomers have been observing strange sights, lights, flashes, and other things on the moon. Provocative topics, listeners' calls, and interesting guests. My guest, Mr. Alan Stern. On my website, I have a list of a hundred or so lunar conspiracy theories. I had to kind of come to terms with one of them that I hadn't really thought about. It's the kind of show that might keep you up at night. Speculation is, at some time in our past, or perhaps even today, there is another presence on the and I'm not talking about indigenous lunar folks. I'm talking about a space base by somebody else on the far side of the 
Dark Matters with Don Ecker, exclusively on CyberStationUSA.com. Hi, I'm Peter Anthony Holder, and I would like you to join me for a very eclectic and different kind of radio show. It's called the Stuff File Program. Where else would you get to hear a well-renowned Hollywood acting teacher, a best-selling science fiction writer, a guy who teaches llamas how to be golf caddies, 